You are listening to the Big Blue Rock Pod, produced by the Kentucky Geological Survey at the University of Kentucky. This podcast is a fun, conversational approach to discussing all things geology and earth processes. We talk emerging ideas and research, along with classic topics in earth science for all levels of interest. Let's do the show. Hello, welcome to the Big Blue Rock Pod. I'm Matt Crawford, along with my co-hosts, Doug Curl and Sarah Arpin. Hey, Matt. What's up? Howdy. Hey. End of the year. Woo-hoo. End of the year. Yeah. This is our 25th episode. Oh, is it? Yep. Oh. Well, two years. Count. You That's did, amazing. We got two so years. special. Yeah. That is amazing. It's We're good. still on. We're still on. <laughs> Not canceled. <laughs> um, end of the year, holidays approaching. Uh, is there a congratulations in order oh, here? Uh, <laughs> Sarah's stressed, but she, <laughs> she, let's just brag, she, she passed her PhD qualifying exam, so that's good. Um, it was ugly. Yeah, it's meant to be. It was. It was ugly. It's meant to be. <laughs> it stood up to it. Um, that's how it <laughs> is. Reputation. Now you can plow forward. Um, that's exciting. Um, yeah. Glad it's over. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So today's topic is arches and natural bridges, and uh, we say this about a lot of our topics on our our short list to talk about, but this this topic certainly was. Uh, up on the list and wha- one we wanted to get to for sure because people love arches. Yeah. Um, they're unique. They're, they're captivating icons of, of nature, of the landscape. They have cultural value, right? There's just a lot of all-around value with, with rock arches and natural bridges. Um, but I think at the same time, there's, you know, kinds of research questions and geologic questions that are sort of maybe unclear to to people and uh we want to get into that and we're not smart enough to do that so that's why we have guests <laughs> and um to give us some detail and some expertise so our guest this week is steve martin uh steve is a geologist with the kentucky geological survey uh he's in the geologic mapping section here uh steve has a bs and uh, business Administration from UT Chattanooga, a Bachelor of Science in Geology from UT Knoxville, and a Master of Science in Geology from UT Knoxville. Um, Steve's uh, been at the KGS since 1998 in the geologic mapping section. Um, Steve, welcome yeah. to the Big Blue Rock Pod. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, give, a, give our listeners a little snapshot of, uh, of what you do. Well, okay. Uh, first of all, congratulations, Sarah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. exams. Those are enough to scare me away from oh not getting man. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't ask me for details. But <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Um, so, I've been at the survey for, uh, going on 25 years, since Woo-hoo. 1998. Um, I guess my interests in, ge- in geology are basically geologic mapping. Yep. Did a mapping thesis at Tennessee. Um, we came here, digitized the paper maps. And uh, um, and so from there, um, did surficial mapping. Uh, once we finished, I finished digitizing the maps. And I took a break. It, uh, the years kind of get mixed up. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> took a break from mapping, and I started a, a joint database. Right. And, and it was from that that I decided to start getting joint data at natural arches. Yes. I was doing road work and, you know, sometimes you get blasting, you know, it's, it's a little easier to, 
to get joint data off the road and in, you know along streams or ridges so you get a, a more of a natural exposure of the joints and so um, um, that's how I got involved in the natural arches yeah um, did that for a while and then got pulled back into mapping did that for a while and now I'm back into joints and arches yeah so just kind of back and forth it's a it's a good niche here um, we can get into you know Kentucky's arches and stuff. Did you guys overlap at UT? We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same advisor. Same advisor. Yeah. Um, yeah. We didn't. I think Steve, you mapped in the Smoky Mountains, and I mapped in. You mapped in, in Piedmont, right? Suburban South Carolina. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a very different topography. <laughs> but yeah, same so advisor. Yeah, I was in the Western Blue Ridge foothills. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, southeast Tennessee. Yeah, other si other side of the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ryan Thigpen also mapped um, part of that area oh, as right. well. Uh, also a former former guest. Former guest. Yeah. yeah. Who was your advisor? Uh, uh, Bob Hatcher. Hatcher. Yeah, Dr. Hatcher. Yeah. Big Appalachian. Big Appalachian guy. guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, we overlapped, and then we both started here about the same time. Yeah. Um, right. Doing the same digitizing and. Yep. Um, and I came in a, I came in a few years after that and I, I was thinking about all of us up in the cubicleville up mm. on the third floor all the digital mapping group <laughs> yeah. up there and there was one we, di we didn't have desk phones right yeah yeah because we were in cubicles I guess you know and we're gonna give us one so there's one phone on the wall right, I remember that and it rings and someone's got to decide on who's gonna get up and go answer the phone on the wall and you know someone does and it's always awkward because it's like you know <laughs> They're trying. If it's for them, they you know maybe don't want anyone else to hear what they're <laughs> talking about. You know, like oh, yeah. Well, at that point, they're all personal calls. We've yeah, been there long yeah, enough to yeah. have anyone call us from work. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I guess I got bring home some milk. Okay, uh, and everyone hears it. You know, those uh, are the days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we got office phones. It's cruel and unusual punishment to have <laughs> people in cubicles right next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Oh, man. Especially geologists. Yeah. Phone call for Steve over here. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Let's, oh, uh, word of warning, Steve. Uh, Sarah has to interject something about karst or sinkholes in every episode, so just be, okay, well. just be ready for it. <laughs> no, just kidding. I forgot. <laughs> well, there are openings in Karst as well. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, I, I suspect we'll right. get there. Okay. Yeah. She has expertise There's in this. Limestone <laughs> arches. Yeah. yeah. So, so. She yeah. just looks at arches that are a lot bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> the holes are. Right, they're a lot yeah. longer. Longer <laughs> <tunnels>. <laughs> That's a good longer way to think about it. The distance between holes. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, let's start with some basics, um, some definitions, a little background here. Uh, what what's the difference between a natural rock arch and a natural bridge? Uh, whether it, well, you know, it, for those two, an arch and a bridge, uh, a bridge will span an area of erosion, right? Like a creek, a stream, a drainage, an arch, <coughs> and an arch doesn't. So if you looked at the glossary of geology, you would get that kind of a definition, and that was based off of uh, a geologist uh, in 1910. Uh, by Cleland, and uh, basically said a natural bridge is a natural stone arch that spans a valley of erosion. Uh, a natural arch is a similar structure, which, however, does not span a valley of erosion. So pretty, pretty simple, but that's like 1910. And um, since then, I guess um, the Natural Arch and Bridge Society has come up with 
I think, a better definition. Uh, and that would be defined as features that have a hole completely through an intact rock mass formed by the natural selective removal of rock, leaving a relative intact frame. Uh, um, yeah. So the I, I do like that one better, actually. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. I, I, I think I read the first one you, you, you mentioned. Uh, yeah. So, and on top of that, um, I think natural arch, and that's, it's just in our vocabulary, right. natural arch, natural bridge, and I don't expect to change that, but a better, better, that's a good definition I just read, but a better word would be a, a natural rock opening. Yeah. Because um, not all the, not everything's arched. Mm -hmm. And so. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about arches, you know, you're just kind of secluding things, but if you want to be in all encompassing, I think the natural rock opening is a yeah. better word, and I try to get in the habit of saying that. And for natural bridges, it spans an erosional valley of some kind, creek, river. That doesn't mean it has to have active water flowing no. under that now. Yeah, it could be, a, could be you old. know, the hydrology change in the stream, and it could still be a bridge. Yeah. But, um, but water is important regardless if it's a, you call it an arch or a bridge. Right. Um, uh, water flowing through fractures. Um or through a stream is, is the most important erosive agent. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so before we get into some of the science, I thought it'd be cool to mention some, just some factoids about arches um, around the U.S. and in the world. Um, so, Steve, you probably know some of this, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think every, everyone knows about Arches National Park in, right. uh, in Utah in the United States, Canyonlands uh, National Park in the Western United States, Zion have you know, amazing, beautiful arches, um, delicate arch in it, Arches National Park is like that iconic uh, arch. It's on, I think it's on their license yeah, plate. Yeah, it's on their license plate. You know, yeah. it's, it's just a right, magnificent, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. magnificent, like freestanding um, arch. Um, but some factoids I, I kind of jotted down. There are only 14 arches in the world that span 200 feet. We can get into measurement here in a second. There are 400 arches longer than 50 meters. Uh, this didn't seem like a whole lot, really. Yeah. Um, when you get that length that, you know, it, there yeah. are few and far between. And certainly uh, um, China has some really long arches. Yes, I think, okay, uh, that's good Good segue. Uh, there was one, um, um, it's close to 400 feet that was recently confirmed not too long ago. Yes. And uh, then and there's another one that's like 300 feet, 340 feet. Correct. Uh, and so, uh, um, Steve, you know, those Steve knows it. So the, the Shiharan Bridge, also known as the Ferry Bridge in China, spans right. 120 meters, 400 feet. Right. It's a karst environment. I was gonna say, it's yeah, it's got to be. Those are some of your big like teen kongs, like your big sinkholes, and and. So I think China. I, you know, I've never been there, but I know that it's got a lot of limestone there. Uh -huh. yeah. and, Thick. Uh, they look like limestone openings. Yeah. Uh, so second longest in the world is the Jianzhu Bridge, also in China, spanning 340 feet. I think I got this from Natural Arch and Bridge Society, mm -hmm. but uh, then third longest in the world, Landscape Arch. In yeah, Arches National Park, and that's spans I 290 feet. Right. Wow. 
Right. It's only six feet. It's like super thin at the. It's yeah, got it's a section thin. that's very thin. And I actually, you know, I had to double check and see if it hadn't fallen yet. But it's still there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I never, maybe part of it I remember reading had fallen. So. Um, but it's kind of near the end of its life cycle. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to ha- actually bring that up later on, sort of the how we think about how long these last or their <laughs> ages yeah. and stuff stuff like yeah. that. Let's let's talk about arch formation. Uh, so, Steve, you already mentioned erosional processes and and water and ice, but um, you know, s- take it where you will with with arch arch formation. Well, most important. Um, factor is water. Water does the work, wind cleans up the mess. Hmm. So wind is really kind of insignificant. It's not going to create the opening. It might smooth out things, okay? And we don't live in a vacuum. There's always going to be wind, okay? But um, uh, there is a process called salt weathering where wind will maybe create some smaller openings, okay? But uh, um, Generally speaking, it just cleans up the mess. Yeah. And so water is important. You got to have temperature change. So you have to have freeze thaw. Um, and, and this will allow water flowing through fractures to that freeze thaw cycle will slowly widen the fracture, which also, uh, as water flows through there, through the fractures, you'll have chemical uh, erosion. So you have physical mm. and chemical erosion all acting together. So just to back up a second, you have you have that water action, freeze thaw action on what geologists call discontinuities in the rock, which is fractures, yeah, cra- cracks in rocks. But you have to have some kind of underlying crustal stress too to kind of to create those cracks sure. and uplift rocks and expose elongated. I don't know, like ridges well, yeah, of so rock. Y- you know. Um, so the, the you know you gotta have tectonic stresses yeah. that, to create the joints, and they have to be uh, um, you know s- somewhat um, narrowly spaced. There's certainly a systematic um, joint sequence, so you can uh, kind of frame the opening between two joints. Okay, and um, um, so you need tectonic stresses, and the, also the cross bedding, mostly of sandstone also kind of helps in um, uh, the architecture yeah. in some way. That's not a, you know, I'm not 100% sure of how that works, but, <laughs> you know, a lot of the big openings occur in cross-bedded jointed sandstones. Probably, I mean, I, that may be related to just like the differentiation in cementing and like variable cementation strength in yeah, But also, th- I think it, um, it somehow, I think, well, one, you have a thing, you have compressional strengthening, so you, you roll the hole away, and then you, you know, you, it's kind of leaning into each other, which also kind of helps, keeps its uh, strength and mm. its forming. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but, you know, it, um, you know, the wind, the temperature change, the fractures in the rock, um, they're important, but there's also you know, mechanisms, and you have like um, headward erosion of stream valleys, okay? So that creates uh, some of the big openings in the gorge, you know. Um, You have uh, joint widening, 
okay, is another feature. You have roof collapse, which opens in karst environments. You have sinkhole openings. And, uh, and it just uh, incised meandering streams will also kind of create openings. So it all kind of focuses around water. Yeah, there's a cocktail of factors. Yeah, 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 and they're all working together. Yeah. And so. And they're usually in sandstone or. You have competent rock, sandstone, yeah. um, and limestone. Yeah, yeah. And so. Um, um, all those arches out west are in Entrada sandstone. sandstone. Yeah. Not all, a lot of them. And I think arches, from what I remember, is underlain by a by a salt layer. Right. And I think that salt layer is kind of doming because that's what salt does. Mm-hmm. And then it, it kind of cracks the sandstone over this yeah, salt Yeah, it creates dome. fins is what they call it. Creates the fins, fins. Yes. yeah. So if you, f- if you fly over arches, you can see these oh, joints cool. or fractures. Right. You know, and, and then I guess, yeah, that head wall erosion and, you know, whatever is creating the arches. And, and also I think, you know, um, I read a paper in arches. Um, um, where the joints or fractures in the rock may also converge is where you'll find, at least in Moab, a lot of openings occurring. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so the joints might not be crisscrossing mm-hmm. necessarily, but um, they may come together, maybe uh, okay. uh, spaced yeah. in a way yeah. that uh, they can't form yeah. these parallel. I heard, I heard it described as parallel, parallel jointing. Yeah. Accelerates, you know, it just accelerates this process of water getting in there, you know, freeze thaw happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you have to have freeze thaw, so you wouldn't find arches like outside of areas that experience freeze thaw. I don't know. Um, I, would think I don't know. I it's just what I've read in the literature. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, uh, and that's just uh, you know, again, again, a mechanism to widen the joint. Yeah. Um, so makes cool. sense to me because yeah, if it was a really humid environment, you'd probably always yeah, you're not gonna get the brittle mm. yeah, you're not gonna get the brittle <laughs> kind of <laughs> you have like this cool evolution I think of of arches and natural bridges like you've got the crustal forces and tectonic forces that sort of set the stage for you know how the rock's gonna behave the fractures the joints elongated fins of exposed rock um, the type of rock um, and all that then is sort of controls or accelerates all the erosion that takes place to carve out these spaces Mm -hmm. Um, and they just happen sort of slowly that way it's kind of a cool way to think about it so that thought I just came back to me one thing that's interesting and we talked about you know the freeze thaw you know, we don't initially know the age of these, but I happen to, I have a gut feeling, you know, during the last couple of ice ages, okay? Mm-hmm. And so as you have um, glacial periods that have, you know, Ohio, there's evidence even of northern Kentucky of glaciation. Right. So uh, if you think of the gorge, you know, that's less than, you know, 100 miles, okay? And so you might get some um, periglacial back, you know, 10,000 years ago. You may have had colder environments. So it, it may have been a different freeze thaw than what we know today. Oh, 
Right. Okay. Okay. So, um, um, I, I, I just I don't have any evidence yet directly, but I think the glaciation uh, provided an environment, um, yeah. directly and indirectly, that may have uh, yeah. helped cause the formation. Yeah. So we can. So that that makes sense. It's, it's I mean, interesting freeze question to Yeah, freeze thaws is not the same as it right. perhaps was. It's yeah, not. Yeah. Yeah. Freeze thaws, water getting into a joint freezing ice expands like so it, it, it breaks up the rock right it's yeah. it's a it's right. a mechanical weathering Maybe. process so yeah, yeah that's interesting so huh. um yeah. so we mentioned um some of these uh largest arches in the world and their spans but maybe say something steve about h how we measure arches and what that number means um well when i was going into it um there are many different parts of an arch or an opening you can measure. Um, I've concentrated on just how big the hole was. Yeah. Okay. And so the span of an opening, uh, you almost got to look at the span in the clearance in 2D. It's a 3D feature, of course, but just imagine it's just a 2D feature. Okay. And so the span would be at its most narrow point the largest horizontal distance. Okay. Okay, so um, I've used a tape measure and I've used a laser, okay. a range binder to measure them. And um, I guess they'd probably be more consistent or uh, better uh, uh, length with the range finder yeah. than you can with a tape measure because the tape measure, you know, will bow or whatever, you can't keep it tight enough. Right. Um, but that's the span. So the clearance would be the height mm -hmm. of that opening. Middle, middle as best you can determine. Uh, from it's again, it's where it's most narrow. You want uh, the highest vertical. Okay, where it's most vertical, you okay. know, most narrow, the largest uh, vertical space. And then the width would be just the 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 width of a lintel. Uh, that's the top part of the opening, and hmm. it's kind of the if you were going to pour water off of it, it would be drip line to drip line. You know, would be the the width of the opening. Oh. So those are the measurements that I make. But um, you know, you could measure the sides of the, the opening are called abutments, like you on a bridge. Measure mm -hmm. that thickness as well. Um, you could measure the lintel, but that could be dangerous because there's a height to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. You can measure the thickness of that, and the we're getting the width, but you can also measure the thickness of that. But um, those are a little bit difficult to do. I guess so I can I see why, you know, these spans and these records of largest in the world can be a little yeah, now tricky. Yeah, thinking about it, like, well, like why is it without like a range finder? I wouldn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. So those are usually the three. Yeah. I you know, sometimes I can't do it just because of safety reasons. Sure. I mean, you're on the side of a cliff, and yeah. <laughs> you also measure the orientation, right? Oh the, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so trying to uh, find a correlation you know, again, the the orientation of the opening and how it coincides with the orientation of the joints. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, yeah, yeah. Do you have any findings on that in Kentucky? Uh, or is it yeah, they're so the, yeah, they're mostly just parallel. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. uh, but you know, it depends on the type of opening it is. Mm -hmm. <coughs> yeah. Um, those that you know large ones that are on the ridge tops uh, you know 
that have a horizontal lintel, yeah, those are parallel with the fractures. But you can also have we call them if you were in a, uh, some people call them pillar arches where the lintel is vertical. Oh yeah. Hmm. yeah, and so that may or may not be parallel with the jointing. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah, I do think that's an interesting point, like talking about past climate, glaciation, um, things that could have affected how they formed. Um, I think, like, is the argument or the thought originally people were like, well, they must be wind formed because they're up on top of the ridges. But actually, when you think about like erosion, like that wasn't the top of the ridge when they formed, right? Right. So, like, now it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 um, <clears throat> and that kind of gets to. Um, um, the morphology of mm -hmm. how these openings look. Right. Uh, personally, I think that is uh, dependent on the sandstone or the or the the formation's position on the landscape. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're on top of a hill, we'll take Natural Bridge for example. Um, they call it a bridge, but there's no. Don't ask about that. It's not yeah. spanning in your valley That's of great. erosion. Oh, no. <laughs> but it formed uh, kind of through a headward erosion, mm -hmm. okay? And so um, um, uh, that is on the Corbin Sandstone, which is where most of the mm -hmm. rock openings form in East Tennessee, or at least the gorge is the Corbin Sandstone. You know, right there, it's at the top of the hill. Uh, that sandstone is positioned at the top of the hill. Just south of there is the Glencairn Fault, and things are down dropped to the south. And so, south of Natural Bridge State Park, there aren't many ridge top openings. Mm. Most of them are on the mm. cliffside because now the sandstone is no longer at, occupies the top of the ridge; it's oh. further down on the on the uh, the ridge side. Oh wow, interesting. And that so, um, I'm trying to get write a paper. It's trying to be published. Yeah. Uh, Southeastern geology. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, um, so that's what I feel like. If you, if you want to, it's natural to want to put things that are alike together right. based on its morphology, what it looks like. And, um, and I think, um, you know, sandstone's position on the, on the landscape controls that yeah for sure oh, that's a good segue i was going to ask you about how, how we classify arches or, or or if if people do i mean you mentioned uh the names of different types of spans but the shapes the sizes the orientations those all that all matters with um s strength and yeah. you know maybe it's age how how long it and could how last how significant the opening is and how yes. long it will last yes yeah so there are some openings that are very insignificant they won't last long they're not very big um but not all of them are like that um so um and and if what i found like you know on the the ridgetop opening you have one horizontal opening okay which yep. going through the ridge. You can climb up one side and go in through the other. Right. Um, so we have, I have another one that's called a cliffside opening, and it will have two openings. It'll have a horizontal opening, but there's a wall of rock behind that opening. They call it occluded. But there is a vertical open behind that where the joint has widened. Yeah. And so when the 
the opening is on a cliff side, you have a vertical and a horizontal opening. Okay. Is that Gray's Arch? Is, is that what uh, that's a little bit different. That's a little different. Um, Gray's Arch is amazing. That's yeah. so cool. Now, um, <laughs> that, you know, that has a lintel that is um, inclined. Mm -hmm. And that's how that, and it's off the end of a ridge. Yeah. yeah. And so I would, I, I would call that, classify that as a, a cliffside opening. Okay. Because yeah. there is a cliff of rock behind it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but the difference being then uh, maybe uh, Whittleton Gap Arch. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where uh, you have a vertical, but that, I call that a ridge size because there's not a cliff behind it, mm -hmm. if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it kind of depends on the thickness and, and how the wall right behind it, is it vertical? And if it's rock, it would be a cliffside opening. If, if, if what's behind it is sloped like a hillside, hillside, I call that a ridge side opening. So ridge top, cliffside, yeah. ridge side. Yeah. And then a stream valley opening Yeah, is another type of opening. And then you have rock a sinkhole ridge. opening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at all arches now in the gorge differently because of, <laughs> because of that. That's, that but makes sense. And, and, but, uh, um, and different people... You know, this uh, archers aren't really popular among, popular amongst geologists to study. There is some research. Right. Um, now, the Natural Arch and Bridge Society has a great website. They've got great information about um, the formation of natural arches. Yeah. Um, and they call everything a natural arch, but they have classifications. And they're more anthropogenic. Okay, this is a shelter, this is a pillar. Oh, right. Um, but not all the openings fit in their cubby holes. Okay. So I'm trying to come up with a you know, classification. Right now, the paper I'm writing is just describing the opening. Yeah. But it's also kind of a classification system without me saying it's a classification that's system. What, that's what we do as geologists, right? We, we want to classify stuff. Yeah. yeah. Job security. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there are a couple of openings in the gorge that would allow some good dating. I mean, where uh, there's one, it's called a horseshoe arch, um, and the whole middle fell. And so it, it, it makes a horseshoe opening to get through the arch. You're kind of yeah. like scooting up. I mean, the opening's like a horseshoe, so That's you're cool. just kind of scoot by there. <laughs> but the whole rock's intact. And so you could at least get a date when that rock fell and it and it you know gets cosmogenic yeah mm -hmm. uh, dating would allow you to to at least you're date that you're actually dating when the sunlight hit it last right basically yeah yeah or how long it's been exposed to yeah oh yeah how long it's exposed. exposed to sunlight yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um well that's that's actually a good segue I, I wanted to talk a little bit about monitoring um you know we we just mentioned these are these are delicate features um, we get, you got to balance like public access and public appreciation for going to see arches, but also conservation and preserving them so future generations can see them. But there's, you know, the arch's shape plays a role in stability. Uh, there's, you know, rockfall hazard to think about. Um, there's, um, I'll just say a few things here, Steve, and, and I'll hand it off to you um 
you know, you, you mentioned this, but, uh, you know, kind of rock mechanic studies have shown that these arches do respond to daily and seasonal temperature fluctuations. Yeah. That's important, yeah. right? Just as far as preservation, hazard, safety. Um, uh, so yeah, you there's, know, a, there's a professor at Utah, um, last name is Moore. Yeah, Jeff Moore. Moore. I was going to mention his name, yeah. You read his stuff. Uh, a little bit. And so... Um, you know, uh, temperature change, um, atmospheric conditions, conditions, I'm sure the strength of wind, you know, structures move. Right. And so you can apply how these natural structures perform under certain conditions and apply them to, you know, anthropogenic structures, man-made bridges, buildings. Arches you know, and cathedrals. And, and so... Um, Same engineering principles. Yeah, so uh, I thought that was a uh, ingenious way to to do some research on natural arches that have to affect our present day structures. For sure, I mean they're they're complex structures and they're going to behave, you know, in complicated ways. Uh, so yeah, some of the stuff I read that that Jeff Moore has done is he's used seismometers mm -hmm. to measure. Uh, Resonant frequency. Yeah, res yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. He, I um, he had a PhD student uh, uh, give her dissertation that I saw on a webinar during the COVID thing. Yeah, and that was really interesting. Yeah, it was basically the resonance of, of these structures and how much they vibrate and move. Yeah, that's cool. He's also. Uh, I also asked him to be an editor for the paper I'm trying to publish. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. So. Oh, that's great. So hopefully I'll read it and want to be involved in some. Hey, let's do this in Kentucky. You know. So seismometers can, you know, they're sensitive instruments and th they can tell you generally, you know, what's happening with the dynamic behavior of these, these arches. And it changes during the time of day. It might be different in the morning than it is in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's super, super cool. Uh, you know, crack meters. Uh, I, I haven't read much on, on crack meters with, with monitoring, but I assume it's, you know, put a little sensor across uh, a fracture or a crack on the arch and just see if it moves over time right. you know if it accelerates you know you maybe have a problem or just do it that way yeah that would be interesting um i hadn't gotten to that point yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> just writing about you know first step of this is where they are and that's what my first paper is about is just the distribution of the openings across the state yeah we talked about the landscape but also across the state which regions and which uh, rock formations they form in um, but the 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 age and uh, these other things are, are good follow up research questions. Oh yeah, age is super interesting. The, the age and lifespan of an arch. I mean, like so we mentioned, like the opening type has probably a lot to do with its lifespan. Mm -hmm. How how long it'll hang around. Um, I've been learning a lot on um, periglacial processes and freeze thaw processes and stuff. And one of the things that Jason gave me for my written qualifying exam yeah. was on depth of fracturing and oh. um, looking at like how deep does the ice reach in, how deep does that expand and fracture. Um, and one of the interesting papers he gave me, they were measuring it based on um, like the sound recording and listening. They, they recorded the sounds for a season of the rocks cracking 
and like extrapolated from that like how often they crack and how deep they crack i think based just on like alpine in this environment yeah, yeah and this is yeah. in current periglacial yeah wow current wow periglacial, but you can do really yeah. interesting things i think with measuring like freeze thaw and fracturing yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know we're not getting that cracking not today, quite to that extreme right but you know uh when this was periglacial mm. back then, probably. Right, yeah. yeah. So, but we still get the freeze thaw. Like, that was kind of why I followed up. I was like, do you get arches outside areas that experience that? Like, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, we're just looking at a snapshot right, in time here. Right. They are important for geoheritage, for citizens. Mm -hmm. People like hiking to them. People like taking pictures of them. Yep. And, and oh. they're a great destination to hike to. Oh, 100%. Know. Also, yeah. like, maybe biology. I mean, they could be shelters. Habitats. For, for mm -hmm. habitats yeah. or whatever. I mean, There's some pretty interesting, like, native plant life around mm -hmm. a lot of them here. Yeah. I know, just because it's remote, basically, I think, generally. But yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, yeah. it's interesting. Uh, you've mentioned plant life. Uh, the largest opening in the gorge is a big secret because uh, there's a plant that's having struggle growing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so right. it's, huh. it's right. some kind of little goldenrod something. Yeah. Uh, little like microclimates and stuff, I'd imagine, yeah, kind yeah. of yeah. form. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about more arches in Kentucky. We've, we've already mentioned a lot of arches in Red River Gorge. We all love to go to Red River Gorge. We had, we had an episode on Red River Gorge. Uh, yes. People should go back and listen to that. But we didn't get into arches specifically then um, much, but yeah. there are amazing arches at red river gorge um there's arches at carter cave state park in kentucky uh, natural bridge state park steve you mentioned cumberland falls state park has some arches um big south fork big mm -hmm. south fork mm -hmm. uh western kentucky along penny rile escarpment it's got some arches yeah the mississippian plateau yeah mississippi areas. plateau um yeah. Uh, Mammoth Cave area has has arches. Sandstone arches. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. T take it where you will with with yeah, arches so it, in Kentucky. It, it how, many, how many do we have? How many? Oh, so um, um, there's a website kyarches.com. They've um, got a good compilation. Uh, when I stepped away from the segment, when I stepped away from doing arches and mapping, mm -hmm. they kind of stepped in and started compiling all this everyone's information. So um, I think they got around 2,700 openings. Wow. Uh, and but maybe 2,900 if you count really small ones. Okay, I was gonna say, <laughs> is there a minimum span? Minimum yeah, you span know, a there? Lot of, a lot of them is a, a um, you know, three meter, 10 foot opening either way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it. it's kind of an arbitrary thing where they, if anything yeah. less than that's insignificant. I remember going with you and we were like, these little <laughs> tiny ones. <laughs> yeah. Count it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's a ton. We got to beat Utah. <laughs> yeah, there's tons of little small ones, you know, and sometimes you measure them, sometimes you don't. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, good 2,700, and that's most of, of the states, of the eastern states. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And do, does Kentucky have the most arches east of the Mississippi River? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, One thing that occurred to me is, I mean, this is going back a little bit, but I guess most arches are in flat-lying rocks. We don't. Right. I mean, you don't see many in. No, you don't. S now there know. is uh, log rock in Kingdom Come State Park, 
and mm-hmm. so that's in the Pine Mountain. Oh, yeah, where uh, the rocks are tilted. Yeah. There may be one or two. Yeah, yeah. But most of these are in flat line sedimentary mm-hmm. rocks. Sedimentary. And rocks. that makes sense because you have these kind of like you were talking about before the sandstone layer cross at the top, and then yeah. kind of headward erosion to the so yeah, they're not top or something. Not many in any intensely deformed areas. Yeah. So anyway, that yeah, that's 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 snowing. Um, it's snowing. Look at that. Uh-oh. We had some freestyle going on Free right now. Freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve, I wanted to mention um, your contribution to the KET Kentucky Life piece that was yeah. on TV. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Oh, well, uh, you did a really great job. So this was a piece on this KET show called Kentucky Life. Um, and you were there talking about the largest arch east of the Mississippi called the Creelsboro Arch, is that right? Uh, they misquoted me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the largest? <laughs> no. Okay. Mantle Rock Mantle in Rock's Livingston the County is the largest. has the largest span. And so that's 165 feet that I've measured. Um, and that's the narrowest, o- you might, that's the narrowest of the opening. Uh, Livingston so County, way western. Way yeah, yeah, way yeah. west. Yeah. I mean, the Kentucky, Almost the Ohio the River is a yeah, stone yeah. throw away. Yeah. Um, there were reports that it's a, 180 feet, but that's the widest. That's the largest part of the opening. But if you look at the narrowest, it's 160, 165. Now, Creelsboro is very large in that its span is like 120 feet. Its width is almost 100 feet. Yeah. Its height is almost, I think, 40 feet okay. or so. So it's a real big opening. Yeah. Um, Crillsboro Arch is in Russell County. It's along the Cumberland River. What um, what formation is that in? Lipers limes, limestone. Lipers. Oh. It's a limestone. Okay. Yeah, it's a limestone. It feels like a tunnel. Like it's. Yeah. Weird. And what's yeah. really cool about that, I didn't really realize at the time, but during that Kentucky Life show, they built the Wolf Creek Dam, luckily, upstream oh. from the opening. Yeah. So okay. we still have the opening. And if it, they built it downstream, it would have been flooded. Been gone, water. yeah. Yeah, so. that's so. Um, so yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, back to arches in Kentucky. It's interesting. You can you can spend a week going from Carter Caves to look at the openings there, and each is a little bit different. Okay. Right. Um, Carter Caves. You you know the Red River Gorge. Um, uh, Carter Caves has. A lot of wide openings. Some of them are in limestone and they're tunnel-like. Uh, they don't have any ridge-top openings, hmm. but they have uh, cliffside openings. Okay, where you have like again the horizontal and vertical opening, fern fern arch, fern bridge. I think they call it. Um, there's another one that's, that's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, um, then you get into the gorge where you have nice ridge-top openings. Okay. Um, as you go down to um, Cumberland Falls, Big South Fork area, those openings are forming in sandstones above the Corbin. And they might be a little bit not as cliff forming as the Corbin. Right. So you kind of get what I call the ridge side openings. Corbin's a little more resistant. Yeah, and thicker. Yeah. And so you, you get into uh, different sandstone units as you go towards uh, in the uh, Cumberland Falls and Big South Fork. And then as you as you go west, and you know, that's two or three days right there looking at arches, 
Yeah. Take your family vacation. Go to Frillsboro. <laughs> you know, yeah, you right. can go out. To, unfortunately, Mammoth Cave doesn't have trails leading to their arches, but they've got a nice cave system there at Mammoth Cave. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people have heard of really, really <laughs> big. <laughs> <ones. Yeah. laughs> you know, we go in the winter. I mean, yeah. if you want to go to Mammoth Cave oh, and yeah, get off the trail winter. and not go in the cave, go in the winter. Yeah. Because you'll get ticks all over The north side of the Green River there, where, like the most of the park land is on the north side, that's where you'll find your sandstone arches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Up yeah. on the the ridge tops mm -hmm. like the cap rock that yeah. caps the limestone oh, yeah. below yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well people yeah. people can also take a tour uh through the story map that you guys did right uh so you you all did a story map uh, of arch locations in kentucky attribute information with with those locations so span so yeah, our length story map stuff. is um it's not to compete with uh, kyarches.com people <laughs> right uh, Christopher and Bill. Um, I'm advertising arches that are that you need to be a trail. Okay. Um, I don't want people to go look for an arch and fall off a ridge and get hurt. Right. Yeah, so these are all very publicly. Be, yeah, be very safe when you go see. Arches. So I, you know, I think you know KGS stance should be. This is what you can walk to on a trail, mm -hmm. easy access, and. Uh, it's a great story map. It's, it's, it's really nice. You zoom in, zoom out. See, uh, they have, most of them have pictures associated with the location, some cool attribute information. So that was, uh, it's, it's really been well a while done. since we updated it. Yeah, and once we, I get the, if I get this paper published, I'll incorporate some of that into the story map I'd like to try to do to kind of update it. It's been a while since we've done that. Um, you know, I was just glancing at it before we hit record here this morning and, uh, you know, we got arches as far west as Christian County. Yeah. I don't know if that's far further west than Livingston. I think it is. Uh, but then as far east as you mentioned this one in Harlan County and Kingdom Come State Park. Right. And Martin County. Martin County has yeah. arch. Yeah. Martin County. There's not any that are on trails. Well, oh. there are, but they're on pub private property. I see. Uh, but I spent uh, a couple of days out there with mm. uh, 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 looking at arches there. Interesting. But, uh, but yeah, the. Yeah, Christian County, uh, there's a couple. There's one, Apex, it's really nice. Well, I think I've been there. But it's, com it's oh. filled with graffiti. Oh, that's the one that's super <laughs> spray-painted. I yeah. have been there. Yeah, <laughs> Great. yeah There's a lot of artists size. in Apex. <laughs> 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 it's just a crossroad, too, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but it's Preston like an art community. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, Steve, oh, you've I been... I have a question. Oh, yeah. Favorite arch? Oh, Ooh, good question. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh -oh. My favorite is Princess Arch. Oh, the gorge. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. yeah. Just yeah. it's I don't know. It's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it's nice and smooth. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. we yeah. first went there and it was it had a bunch of snow on the ground, but oh, beautiful. Um yeah, I like that one. I like Star Gap also mm -hmm. pretty well. Mm -hmm. Okay. But um um yeah, there's a I guess J and H sells T shirts. Oh. And then they have one of Princess Arches, Wee. Kentucky Arches. Oh, and nice. Princess yeah, Arch yeah. On oh. They have one of Grays, too, and yeah. stickers, Grays Arch wow. stickers. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty so cool. Sweet. So, yeah, uh, and it was interesting. I was One time I was there, um, I was at Princess Arch pre preparing something, and a newly, a couple was walking down to get married <laughs> at the Arch. Oh, and nice. The pictures taken, so they were all dressed up and oh, that's cool. everything. So. Nice sweaty hike before you take yeah, your vows. Right. <laughs> 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 Jeez. 
Um, cool. Steve, you've been generous with your time. This has been a great conversation. It's flown by. I yeah. can't believe it's, it's awesome. already been an hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the way it goes here. I mean, the conversation's a great, great guest. Um, Thank you so much for yeah, man. having me. Yeah, yeah man. That was awesome. Thanks. Sweet. Anything yeah. else for you yeah. all? Yeah. We're good. Mm. You all have a good holiday. Good break. Yes. Dude. All right. Yep. Yeah. It's snowing. I got to ride my bike home in the snow. Uh, quit. <laughs> See you all. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. This podcast was produced by the Kentucky Geological Survey at the University of Kentucky. Special thanks to Rebecca Frazier for technical support. If you have ideas for the show, email mcrawford at uky.edu. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>